Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. It's time to get your checking account to zero with free checking from PenFed. That's zero ATM fees, zero balance requirements, and zero time spent waiting for your paycheck to direct deposit because you can receive it up to one day early. Open your account with just $25 and see how big zero can be. Apply online today at penfed.org slash free checking. Early direct deposit eligibility may vary between pay periods and timing of payers' funding. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCUA. Introducing the new three-for-one bundle from Xfinity. Save big on unlimited internet and streaming when you add Xfinity Mobile. Go to Xfinity.com slash three-for-one, call 1-800-XFINITY, or visit an Xfinity store today. Limited time offer, restrictions apply. Raiders of the Lost podcast is brought to you by our good friends at Manscaped.com. Use our coupon code Raiders of the Lost at checkout to get 20% off and free shipping on your entire order worldwide. Manscaped just launched their Platinum Package 4.0, and it's their best deal yet. It includes the Lawnmower 4.0 trimmer, weed whacker, body wash, 2-in-1 shampoo conditioner, boxers, a shed travel bag, and so much more. Don't forget to use our coupon code Raiders of the Lost at checkout from manscaped.com to get 20% off your order and free shipping worldwide. Welcome to Raiders of the Lost podcast, one of the fastest growing movie podcasts in the world, where we discuss all things film. In this episode, we do our weekly chat, Volume 9. Hello, movie friends. Welcome back to the weekly chat. Anthony here. And James here. And we just got back from our amazing Euro trip where you're both exhausted. <laughs> I still can't sleep past four o'clock because my internal clock is a goddamn mess right now. <laughs> but it was totally worth it. We had an absolute blast. And we're just going to basically talk about our trip, I guess. Yeah, we posted a lot online of our, on our stories and our social medias of what we did, but that barely scratched the surface of everything. Barely scratched the surface. Like, barely. Like, couldn't even cover it. Yeah. But we did a lot. We saw so much. We went to how many cities? Ten cities? Something like that. We took eight flights. Uh, a I'm, dozen. I'm still tired. A dozen trains. <laughs> <laughs> but it was really worth it to finally... I've James has been to Italy, but I haven't been to Europe at all, so... It's a trip I've been looking forward to for years. I originally had a Europe trip booked in 2020 that got canceled. So this has been a long time coming for me. And canceled. Canceled. <laughs> you unsubscribed from that <laughs> American Airlines unsubscribed for me. Um, but it was just really remarkable to finally see these cities that I've been dreaming about seeing for a long time. It was really in- incredible to see all these different cultures, um, to actually speak in a different language with other people. I had never done that before except for like a little bit of Spanish, but like very simple Spanish and basic. Don't use the biblioteca. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, but I, uh, my Italian um, really paid off. I think I did a really good job with my speaking. You did as well. Um, and I just really enjoyed experiencing the other cultures and finally seeing all these sites I had been looking forward to. Feels like we've been gone for months. It really does. Like I'm, I'm looking at the album that we have, the shared Eurotrip album in our phone. And I have a little bit of a sore throat. I, I don't have COVID. I so got tested I, yeah. twice. Yeah. <laughs> Coming back, it was an we absolute got a disaster. 
Uh, but Anthony got sick, and then he got me a little sick. So thanks, <laughs> yeah. bro. Thanks so it much. It was actually it was actually um, all the cigarette smoke in Italy that killed me. Uh, because in Italy, no, but you definitely gave me like a cold. Oh yeah, or but it got me sick, yeah. and then I gave it to you. But that's what initiated my. I got like a sinus infection. It wasn't. I wasn't like dying, but I was. I had a lot of congestion, and it was. I was getting it out. But it was the. There's a lot of cigarette smoke in in Italian cities, and and Italians will just like walk up to you smoking a cigarette, like waiting for a bus or a train or or in a restaurant. They'll just be ripping butts next to you. So that's something that I was just breathing in a lot of cigarette smoke, and my lungs are pretty sensitive to it. So that got me sick, but. It's fine. I mean, I know Lauren's gonna make fun of me, but it's all it's all good. <laughs> it, but that, that's just what got me sick. But I was fine. Excuse I was, me. It was there, cool. See, it, didn't, it, it didn't it didn't ruin the trip in any way. It's like a bronchial thing yeah. for me. Like it's just yeah. like in the lungs. Congestion in the lungs. It's just like congestion yeah. in the lungs. Not COVID. Negative test. Yeah, we got twice. tested twice in twenty four hours. We'll so. get to that. It was yeah. a, it was a nightmare situation <laughs> getting home. But getting there was super easy. It was. It was smooth. Um, we flew right into Ireland, into Dublin, and Dublin was really beautiful. It was really cool, and I think we talked about it on the weekly chat. That was our first one, yeah. Yeah, we, but we were too busy the rest of the time to do it. It just felt like a lot like Boston. It was really cool, really beautiful old city. Uh, the Guinness Factory was a lot of fun, but I enjoyed Dublin quite a bit. Yeah, and we had some great food there, great drinks there, lots of Guinness. I, I had no fish idea. And chips. Yeah, the fish and chips was excellent. I didn't realize how ingrained into the culture Guinness was in such a profound way where it's it's like their thing in Dublin is Guinness, and it's everywhere. The signs are everywhere. It was really fun to walk through the city and there's a Guinness sign there, there's a Guinness sign there, there's a Guinness sign there. All the Uber and cabbie drivers are, were always talking up Guinness like it was the greatest thing ever. I, I really got a kick out of that. And then after our Dublin, we went to Edinburgh, and I am blown away by this city. I had so much fun. It is gorgeous. I've never been anywhere like it. It's like this old medieval-looking town, city, mm-hmm. huge city with this glorious castle on the top of this hill, this extinct volcano. It's glorious. And it was so beautiful, and I was just blown away, and I want to go back to Edinburgh so bad in Scotland, because it was really breathtaking. Just walking through the city before, like, we landed, and then we walked for about two miles before we did anything, and like you said, the architecture there, most of it's built with this uh, gray, what is it, sandstone? I think it's sand- or limestone. Something or like limestone. that, but this beautiful gray stone, and it's everywhere in the, the city was you use this stone for most of its architecture and it's really beautiful and stunning and like just the apartment buildings sandstone are, sandstone uh, just the apartment buildings are just like breathtaking to look at and just like this is just where people live but still like it's unbelievably and really profound and and it's massive and it's not like it's just like a couple blocks of these kinds of buildings like we walked for miles and these buildings were everywhere so i was really surprised and it really impressed by the scale of the beautiful architecture and the buildings in edinburgh it really blew me away and it was edinburgh 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 <laughs> but it was really sensational and it was very unexpected and i was i loved it i really adored it yeah and some of these buildings are like 15th century yeah. some are 17th century it'd be cool 18th, to live in that kind of century building. but like you can tell depending on how old the sandstone is, but they all generally still have like the same kind of look and design and mm-hmm. feel and aesthetic with the sandstone. It's really cool and really beautiful city. And also like we, right off the bat with Dublin and with Scotland, we discovered how many cobblestone roads there are in Europe. And, and also there are different kinds of stone and different styles of road building for each country. But I, I'd say Scotland and Ireland were pretty similar with the kind of cobblestone. And it was, it was interesting to walk on cobblestone so much. And it was... 
you got to watch the ground because yeah, you, you have will, to keep you your eye on an ankle yeah. so easily. Yeah, you, you fell a couple of times. <laughs> I didn't fall. <laughs> I, <laughs> hey, can got we get, tripped up. Got fake tripped up. news. Can we get some facts? You right? got tripped up a couple of times. <laughs> Mostly false. <laughs> <laughs> you took a big fall. A couple of big falls. That was on a hike. On the on, on this hike. Yeah, we went to Arthur's Seat. Beautiful <laughs> hike at the top. Sensational. Of, yeah, Scotland. The Highlands is all these extinct volcanoes and all these hills. They're extinct volcanoes and. We went to the tip of one called Arthur's Seat, and you get a beautiful 360 panoramic view of the entire city of Edinburgh and the coastline and everything. Yeah, it was stunning. And it was one of the best parts of the trip. I think it was the best hike I've ever been on. It was intense. It's up there for it me, was, yeah. It was a lot of fun. And, and it was it was a steep hit, hike, and, and we had a, we were with a, a tour guide and a group. There were about, like, 10 of us, I would say, in total. It was Maybe. an Airbnb and experience. Yeah. There was, no, there was only, like, seven Maybe, of us. Yeah, seven. But yeah. two of them... Uh, they actually weren't able to go up the hike because they didn't realize it was going to be a hike. <laughs> Even though the, the Airbnb experience is called Harry Potter, Haggis, and Hike. And then the first image is the guy on the hike at the top on of the freaking mountain. Yeah. And in the description it says, the tour will conclude with a steep hike. Yeah. And then they showed up without like walking shoes, just yeah. like normal shoes. And then and I, when they saw the mountain, that we it was, it was a huge hill. Not, I wouldn't call it a mountain, but a very extinct high Extinct volcano. Steep, extinct volcano. Dude, the guy, it was, a, it was a couple. And when I looked at the guy's face, when he saw the hike in the distance, and he was like shocked. And I was like, there's no he way. he definitely wasn't in shape. Yeah, there's no way he was going to hike it. And then like, I felt bad because they were... They're t- telling to the, saying to the tour guide like we didn't know that this was gonna be like yeah, part of it. And yeah, he's yeah. like, well, I'm sorry if it wasn't clear enough. And I'm like, it was. I wanted was, to be like, couldn't have been more clear. It was very clear. Yeah. I'm like, the first image is you hiking. They like blamed <laughs> him for not informing them, and it's like it says it in the bio. They missed out because it was so a great. They hike, left yeah. at like they went up the hike for like two minutes, then they left. They Ubered home uh, to their Airbnb wherever they're staying. But we continued the hike with uh, two other people, and including the tour guide, and it was really stunning. Loved it. It was right at sunset. And what we I didn't realize in Ireland and Scotland, the sun sets at this time of year at like 9 30, 10 o'clock. So it's yeah. it's Italy it, too. Yeah, yeah, Italy was yeah. like that too. I didn't realize Europe was totally like that. I don't know if I remember that what it was like that when I was in Italy. I was yeah, I was constantly surprised by the sun still being up at 9 30. It was shocking. And then like it's still like in Scotland at nighttime, if it was like eleven o'clock, we'd be walking around and still be like you could see everything. Yeah, like, the, sky, no the sky was pretty bright. It's still bright. Yeah. So it's pretty eerie and weird, but it's also very interesting. It's cool. I yeah. liked it a lot. Yeah, I was I was surprised because Ireland was the first one we went to, and and then in our hotel rooms, I remember at four thirty the sun was already up, but then at but then at like ten p.m. it was still, it was still up too, and, and it was very it felt like it was like are we in like Alaska? It was very very, <laughs> very, very funny. But in Scotland was great. We had a lot of great drinks there and excellent food. We had that great breakfast with the different kinds of sausages that they're famous for. Um, to, oh, that was Ireland. I mean. Yeah, those are the, the white yeah, pudding, the, black pudding, yeah, 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 and then the artisanal sausages, which were excellent. Oh, there's the cup. <coughs> Excuse me. You good? Excuse me. So pudding in the pudding. UK. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. It's not like pudding in the United States where pudding is a dessert. It's like a creamy dessert. Whereas pudding in the UK is actually like a sausage oat cake. Yeah. Like a little, like these little, we got these little, served these little discs that yeah. were oats and sausages together. Delicious. It's really good. Yeah. There's like a, a, a bread pudding that wasn't wet. Yeah. With, with sausages so in it. So it's pretty interesting. Yeah, it was, it was interesting, yeah. And then Edinburgh also, I think I think it might have been my favorite city that we were there. And we went to some really cool speakeasies. Mm-hmm. We found this one called Never Really Here. And it was like very kind of hidden off the main drag. And you had to 
Instagram DM them to get a reservation, and then they would respond to you in like coordinated time. And then like you get there, and the door in the the section of the building that the the bar is inside of, it looks like it's just dilapidated and, in an alley. Yeah, in an yeah. alley, and it looks like it's just been like a rundown. I was building. like, is this, a, is this it? And so <laughs> all you have to, but you have to knock on the door, and then someone comes and gets it for you. And it was really great. The bartender is the only guy that works there. And he opens the door for you. He takes your order, but he also explains this place doesn't use a lot of the ingredients that bars generally have. Things like mixes and lime juices, limes and lemons, all sorts of liqueurs. They have a very limited selection. No fruit at all. Yeah, no fruit at all. Very limited selection of what they can make. And they also have their own specialty drinks that they design. And I had one of the best cocktails in my life. I got this gin cocktail. It was really incredible. And I, I was like, it was strong as hell, but I was sipping it and just... Man, it was delicious. Yeah, those drinks were. That pretty, guy knew what he was doing, though. Yeah, he, he even told us like because all the drinks we had up until that point, like I didn't really feel anything. Yeah, off they of. were very lightly poured. Like yeah. I, I had a couple of margaritas, and I'm like, I don't feel a goddamn thing. I'm yeah. like, I'm not an alcoholic. Yeah. I'm like, I should be feeling this right now. <laughs> <laughs> but then this guy, he's he even warned us. He's like, just to let you know, these drinks are very potent, so you're gonna feel it basically because yeah. they make them with as little things to mix as possible. Yeah, so they're not watering it down. They're not putting juices in them. There's no dilution with ice yeah. or anything like they're that. They're not pouring. A bunch of cane sugar, simple syrup in there. I had a uh, a fig bourbon drink, and it was a, it was yeah, delicious. That was good. Yeah, I loved it. It yeah. was so good. I wish I could have had another one, but I was feeling toasty after that, <laughs> yeah. and I'm like, we got to get home. We yeah. got a flight in the morning. Yeah. And then after Edinburgh, we went. To- oh, but I will say in Edinburgh, we got to see a lot of the sites that inspired J.K. Rowling's writing for Harry Potter. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. One of the highlights of the entire trip was going on the Harry Potter tour, where we saw. We got to see the the cafe, the buildings that she stayed in while she wrote many of the chapters. Although they were burnt down. Yeah, they, yeah. one of the cafes was Both burnt. of them were. Yeah. Oh, yeah, you're right. Both of them. So sad. But we also saw there's a famous street in Edinburgh which inspired Diagon Alley. And you can see the colorful storefront, some interesting designs and uh, the various kinds of stores and shops there, restaurants and the it the, the entire street is at an angle and it's curved and it's also um, got an incline and it felt like oh this is definitely what she drew from for that alleyway it was really cool to see that and also the cemetery um, she she used to write outside this this window and in the distance was a, a cemetery that she could see and inside the cemetery are several tombstones of people who have passed away hundreds or even um, just several dozen decades ago. And it'll be names that are familiar to us. Like there was a grave that had McGonagall on the, on the tombstone. There was a grave with Thomas Riddle on the tombstone. So you got to see a lot of the name inspirations for her writings, which I think was just so fascinating and fun to see as super fans. Yeah, and the street is called Victoria Street. Thank you. Yeah, yeah really Victoria cool. And there's a couple Harry Potter stores. There's like a Harry Potter museum. Lots of cool little stuff and you, things to yeah. buy. You got your gladiator helmet. Oh, actually, there. yeah. So Victoria Street, there was this really cool medieval store yeah. with like swords, yeah, and, like armor and stuff. Yeah. And I got a really cool gladiator helmet. It's a it's a replica. It's like probably what like one third the size of an actual one or yeah. Or one it's it's got to be like scale. five inches tall. Yeah, six inches tall. Not so tall. Yeah, it's yeah. like seven inches. And yeah. it's um. It's Maximus's metal gladiator helmet that he wears in the in the arena, and it's so cool. <laughs> we did have a little trouble with it. And this it, was though. like what the fourth day we were there, and it's shooting out. We're walking around the store. And I'm like, this place, this place is pretty cool, but like I can't bring a sword home. <laughs> and then I turn on, I look at a shelf on a wall. I'm like, oh my god! And there's a bunch of helmets. You were like, like Jared helmets. Leto seeing the green outfit. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> for his Joker <laughs> premiere, for Suicide Squad premiere, and um. 
I saw the Maximus Gladiator helmet. I'm like, I need this. I'm getting it. I was like, it's only 35 Euro- um, pounds. Do yeah. that. It right did now. give us a little trouble, though, going through the airports because it has it's metal, it's <laughs> large, and it has spikes all over it. <laughs> and the customs people, every airport, they were so confused about why was this in your bag? They flagged your suitcase every time. The security people, yeah. Yeah, and they were always like, they had to ask you like what it was, why you had it. Like, we were flying from for? Scotland to London. The security lady, my bag was flagged, and she takes it out. And she's like, she's like, what is this? What's it for? What's it for? I'm like, it's just cool. It's just for like a desk. <laughs> and then, um, but and, it does look like a weapon to someone who doesn't recognize it. Yeah. yeah. In Canada, they thought like in Canada, cause we had to take a flight to Canada to get home to LA. They took it out of the bag and she's like pressing her hand against it. She's like, there's spikes on it. I'm like, yeah, yeah, there are. Yeah, it's sick. So I started taking it out of the bag. Oh, my suitcase up, they would just find it quicker. Yeah, but what was, what was interesting is Canada, they were flagging everyone's suitcases for it all was, sorts of things. It was like one out of, one out yeah, of two suitcases. It was really interesting to see, to see how how much stricter they were with their security de- detail to get through the airport. It was very strict, and I was I was surprised because we were told it was very slow to get through security there, and we were um, recommended to get there very early. And we got there early, and I was like, oh, how, there, there's not that many people here. How we got there before it, security opened. Yeah, we got like, there at like 4 a.m. And there were maybe like 40 people ahead of us in line. I was like, how long could it take? And it was like the slowest security I'd ever seen at an airport because they were literally flagging everyone's bag and like going through everyone's bags. Like it wasn't just you because you had that helmet. I got flagged for having a microphone in my bag. So it was interesting to see how, how strict they were at the airport in Calgary. Yeah, Calgary was uh, an interesting time. We'll get to that later on. But how about we move on to the the rest of our trip? Where Venezia? No, no, oh, no, no London, London. After after Scotland and Edinburgh, we went to London for the night and had a, a lovely time. We had some good food. We, we had a great dinner there. We had, yeah, we went to that steak place. Oh yeah, yeah. We got very lucky because we got there and we went to Soho for dinner, and it was all the restaurants were pretty cl- crowded, and we found the steak place. And we were like, let's just see if we can get a table. And we get in, and it's packed there. And we were like, and then we go to the host, and he was like, oh, well, you guys are going to have to wait 40 minutes. But then, luckily, a table had just opened up for a two-spot right near us. And, and a, a server was like, hey, they could sit here. We were like, hell yeah. So the, we, but the, ho- the host guy was like, I don't know. I don't he's know like, that's he's a good like, idea. just put him there. Yeah, like, what's the big there's deal? No one here. So we luckily got a table immediately, and we got uh, an excellent meal. I had, an, I had a really great uh, double cheeseburger there. And you got the steak, right? Or... Yeah, I got a steak. Yeah, it was it was a really good meal. But Soho was a lot of fun. We went to the cool speakeasy there. We walked all across London. Unfortunately, Buckingham Palace was closed, uh, I think, for construction or something that, that day. So we weren't able to see the queen, unfortunately. But well, it's like she's like out there like, hey, <laughs> she was waiting out. for us. <laughs> she's just waiting Where for Where are people. the twins? <laughs> the twins said they were coming. <laughs> But I was, uh, it was fun to ride in a double-decker bus to go on the top of that it. That was super fun. Yeah, we saw the Sherlock the Holmes The metro music. system in, in uh, London is exceptional. There are so everywhere. many buses, and they run like every five to ten minutes, and they're going all over the place. I was so, like, yeah, they're buses Public all transit over. in London is exceptional. It was a little confusing at first because we got confused about... Uh, we, land, we, we took a metro into London, and then we had to take another train, but we didn't realize we had to take an overground train and uh, an underground train and not an overground train so we were a little confused about the station differences but once we figured that out we were pretty much solid for london and the the buses are excellent there yeah london was pretty cool um a couple drinks and cocktails here and there we went to the sherlock holmes b 221 b baker Baker street and 
Checked out the store there. I got a little street sign for Baker Street, and yeah, it was, it was pretty cool. Yeah, it was, it was a good time. time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. fun then, city. And then the uh, speakeasy almost didn't let us in because he had to just walk around with sweatpants on. And we get to the door after he made a reservation. Well, and- first of all, street uh, athletic wear is very common in in London, so that's why is I it really? It's very very common there. It's very hip. Yeah, but still, we. But either way, we showed up and the guys like pointed at Anthony's shoes and they're like, "He's like, you can't come in." No, he pointed at my sweatpants. I mean, my sweatpants. Yeah, I was wearing my uh, my Adidas sweatpants and he's like, "We can't let you in." <laughs> and then they made a they made a huge fuss. Yeah, about they it. made it seem like I was like a, a horrible person for wearing like athletic sweatpants. And they're like, "Yeah, it was in the email that you have to wear dress specific clothes." And then it's because you had you had made the reservation like a half hour before that because you were like, "Oh, I just found this place. Let's make the reservation." And so we were like, yeah. So I was already dressed in that outfit before we even made this reservation. And the reservations details, they had like 12 different things in fine print listed on the bottom of the reservation. And the clothing one was like at the bottom of the list. Number 11. So it was like we didn't even – we're not going to read 12 paragraphs before we go to a reservation. We thought it was just like – just like random stuff that wasn't really that important. Well, the crappy part was they were going to charge us like 40 25 dollars 25 pounds per person for the reservation that we had just made 30 minutes before because Anthony wore sweatpants. And right. I and we, I was just like, are you guys serious? And then and then they're like he's like, "Let me talk to my manager." And then they approved us to get in. They made it seem like they cured cancer to let us in. Yeah, they made a, yeah. they made a really big fuss about it, but it was a cool bar. It was a great bar. But I will say, when we got there, I saw people wearing sandals and shorts and stuff. So I was like, I mean, how strict is this dress code? Yeah, there was a woman wearing Lululemons at the bar, but it yeah. is what it is. It was still a cool bar. had a couple cool drinks. Excellent and, and, drinks. And then yeah. that was London. And then the next day, we went to Venice, which was really fantastic. Yeah, Venice was really beautiful. It was mind-blowing to see it. Uh, just the, how the city was built throughout all these canals and... Like you said, there are no wheels anywhere. It's all boats. Even like the shipping companies, I saw this big UPS canoe boat gondola. I was like, that's how UPS ships here. It's amazing. We took a great, like, the buses there are boats. So much fun. Food was excellent. Uh, we got the uh, chiquetti, the, uh, the the appetizers on the crostinis. Yeah, but unfortunately, our, our trains were a little late. We, we missed a, a tour that we were going to yeah. do an Airbnb experience in Venice, which is a little unfortunate, but it's still a cool time in Venice is really beautiful. I've never been anywhere like it. It's the second time I've been there. We did two nights there, mm-hmm. and it was a really, really beautiful city. The food was excellent, and yeah. that's this is where we started our our daily trend of getting uh, croissants and uh, well, it's called cafe, but it's an espresso in Italy, which is what they well cappuccino for breakfast. Italians, you have. do, you, I do, I always did the espresso. Yeah, you, you were always doing cappuccinos. So croissants and cappuccinos or an espresso is how Italians have breakfast. They don't yeah. have like a big breakfast like we do in America with like eggs and toast and bacon. Yeah, and, the Italian and, breakfast is light, and then lunch is generally their heaviest meal. But I got pretty accustomed to the croissant for breakfast happily. It was, it's, it's, like, a, it's, it's it's pretty fun. Yeah, it's great to just have like this buttery croissant every morning. It's, it's I was looking forward to it every day, and I also had one of the, my best croissants um, in the second morning there. It was really terrific, marmalata brioche, uh, really ter- really fantastic. But the food was excellent. We ate right on the water, and the first night I got the black squid ink pasta, which I've always wanted to try, and I was like pleasantly surprised by how good it was, and it was such an interesting flavor for a, a sauce I never had before. I loved it. Yeah, I got a seafood pasta. It was really cool. There was like this got this like little mini lobster kind of thing on it. And yeah, it was delicious. And then the second day in Venice, we took a day trip to a small island on the outskirts of Venice called Murano, which is famous for glass blowing. And we actually saw a little glass blowing demonstration of this guy who's for since he was ten years old has been doing glass blowing and making 
jewelry and little ornaments and little figures of all kinds of animals, things. It's really cool process. And we got some stuff for some family members there. And then, I mean, Murano is really cool as well. It's where we also started having Aperol Spritz. Oh, yeah. <laughs> in sandwiches. I was, start, I was drinking them the first day. That's true. Yeah, yeah. I was putting them down. Because it's so hot. It was it was, it was very hot. hot. It was very hot in Italy for the first eight days we were there. And so an Aperol, an iced Aperol Spritz is a perfect thing to drink on a hot day. Yeah, and uh, Italy has open can policy. So you can just walk around liquor, booze, whatever yeah. you want. Obviously, it's obviously illegal to be drunk in public, but you can just have a beer yeah, right. or anything you want walking yeah. around. And then... We also started our trend of getting sandwiches a lot during the day because uh-huh. Italy has great paninis and sandwiches, and they're they're so good. They fresh have like bread, fresh good cold cuts are amazing. Yeah, like prosciutto and some mozzarella, yeah. tomato. It's so damn good. And also, Venice. Venice the first day was the first time we spoke Italian, and it's something I was working on for a long time. And and um, leading up to it, I was I wasn't nervous, but I was just like, I hope my first interaction goes well. And my first interaction ordering a coffee and a brioche went perfectly, very smooth. Um, they spoke Italian back to me rather than hearing a bad accent and speaking English back to me. And so that gave me a lot of confidence after that first interaction of a successful order with no English spoken. I was like, oh, okay, it worked out. And, you know, that a couple of days into of doing that, I felt very comfortable speaking Italian to people. And for the most part, it went very smoothly, although sometimes um, I would hear Italians, like very complex Italian spoken back to me here and there. And I had no idea what people were saying sometimes, but for the most time it went pretty well. And so I'm happy. I'm ha- I was happy to speak Italian with Italians. I think my favorite part about Venice though is when I found the cannolis that I discovered oh, last yeah, yeah, time yeah, I was yeah. there, just on the outskirts of the city near the train station. I was like a dog on a scent. Cause like I was getting this memory <laughs> recall. I was like, I know this neighborhood. And I'm like, do you want a delicious cannoli? Like follow me. And I found this little cannoli, this little bakery that had three cannolis left, and they're they're the best cannolis I've ever had. And yeah, they're they're the best looking, best tasting. They're there. orange. Yeah, they, they had, were delicious. They weren't orange. They just had a oranges a, in like a, in a couple of pieces inside. They, yeah. So on the outside of the cannoli, they had just a little strip of candied orange yeah. skin, um, and it's delicious and yeah. it's so good. I'm so glad I found that. It was really cool. It was a wonderful cannoli. And then after Venice... But also we gelato as well. Yeah, yeah we, so we started gelato. gelato. Yeah, a ton of gelato. Then after Venice, we went to Bologna, where I think we had the best meal of the entire trip because we got pizza, but it was Naples Pizza. It was a <coughs> Naples Pizza shop in Bologna, and it was one of the best meals I've ever had, and it's maybe the best pizza I've ever had in my entire life. Yeah, I, it was, I would say it's the best pizza I've ever eaten, and it's definitely a top meal for me in my lifetime. I got um, a Bolognese pizza, which had... It was uh, cheese, olive oil... And a fresh mortadella and then pistachio crumbled on top of it, uh, pistachio. And it was it was so good. I wanted to have another one, but I was so full because they're really big. And I was just like in cloud nine eating this pizza. It, I was so shocked because there's just so few ingredients, but the ingredients are so fresh from the cheese to the, to the mortadella. It's just so high quality. And that's what works with so few ingredients. And I was just absolutely blown away by this pizza i can't remember what mine was called but it had uh mozzarella buffalo mozzarella oh it was called la bufalina it had buffalo mozzarella on it which is better than regular mozzarella some basil uh sun-dried tomatoes as well as sun-dried peppers and also salami uh, a ton of olive oil drizzled on top of it but it was like fried little slivers of salami it was mind-blowingly good and i'll never forget it and i want to go back there to get it asap we also had some delicious gelato in Bologna as well, one of the best we had for sure. Two of the best, the Cremeria and then uh, Sable. When we were um, on our at the end of the evening, uh, some of the best 
the gelato on the entire trip. It could be the best gelato. But Bologna was a really, really cool city. It's a, it's a youthful city. It's where a lot of universities are. So there's like a lot of uh, younger people, uh, students there. It's like Boston, kid. Yeah, it has a Boston vibe. Um, it's famous for both its brick-built architecture as well as the archways um, surrounding most of the large buildings. It's just these tunnels of arches. And called it's porticos. Porticos. And it's really fabulous to walk through it. Um, it's it's really big, and um, it is, I think, an underrated city in, in, in Italy. I read that it was one of the most underrated um, for traveling, and I can see why people love it so much and why you know tourists aren't super familiar with Bologna, but it was a really fun city to go to. Uh, I really enjoyed it there. Then we went to Florence, Firenze, which is one of my all-time favorite cities I've ever been to, and it's exceptionally beautiful, and Anthony... I think was super blown away by the Santa Maria Cathedral, which yeah. I think is one of the most underrated pieces of architecture on the planet Earth. And I feel like it should be it was awe-inspiring. more appreciated yeah. because of how enormous it is and how long beautiful. it took to build yeah. and unique it is. And it's yeah. just in the middle of Firenze. Firenze, it's beautiful. We also got some fantastic sandwiches in Florence. For the first day, we got sandwiches at this place next to the Uffizi that I had been telling Anthony about from when I went, and it was delicious. And then we went to... Pino's, which is a famous place in Florence to get sandwiches, and met Pino, and he loved that we were twins, and it was super fun. <laughs> they were excellent sandwiches. We had awesome food there, and also I love the I love the structure of the neighborhoods. I love um, the the buildings, the style of architecture there. It felt very like if it's a, definitely a city in Italy that you could live. You know, it feels oh yeah, like, for sure. I know like, people that have lived there. Yeah, it seems like a, a great place to live because it has both nightlife and. Um, it's, it's touristy, but it's not as bad in certain areas. Like we found plenty of areas, neighborhoods where there weren't there, there weren't that many people at all, and it's really like the main tourist sites where it's jam packed with tourists. But otherwise, it was pretty empty. And you know, we were walking around the neighborhoods, and it was just really, really stunning and beautiful. Excellent food, excellent drinks. We had an awesome meal at a steak place. Oh, that's right. Yeah, I got the veal and I got carbonara, and we had an amazing uh, Chianti Classico, the best wine I had on the trip there. Really just delicious, um, very cool meal, very great. Asteria del Asteria Gato del. y la Volpe, the cat, the cat and the, and the fox. fox. It was so damn good. And also that started my trend of having amaretto as a dessert yeah, liquor, digestive, which is supposedly good for digestion, but I think it's just because it's delicious and sweet. <laughs> it was so damn good. And I think the best part of Florence might have been when we went to the top <laughs> of the the tower uh, next to the Santa Maria Cathedral, mm. and it had a stunning view of Florence, and it was so gorgeous and of the duomo to see it from that angle it's really incredible really really incredible city i highly recommend if you've never been it's it's really i think it's my favorite city in in uh italy yeah and the uffizi was a great museum uh they had a lot of great art from some michelangelo they had the birth of venus there which i didn't know about they had some da vinci drawing drawings and paintings they had an unfinished painting of his which was really cool to see the the layers underneath the finished painting to see how artists planned out their their paintings so you could see you saw a lot of that in one of the paintings that he had there that was barely like he not even halfway done so that was really cool as well as the all the statues and busts there's really cool museum but i think that I, i'm surprised that the the cathedral there the duomo is not as widely known or celebrated as it as it should be because i had never heard of it we we it, I'm surprised it's not like a wonder of the world because it's really that impressive of a building. Yeah, I think Stunning. it took a hundred years to make too. Seventy two. Like 
70, yeah, 72, 72 years, years to make. And I understand the Coliseum is epic, and I love the Coliseum so much. Yeah. And it's the, an ancient world wonder. Mm-hmm. Whereas I think this was made in like the 13th, 14th century yeah. around there. Something like that. Yeah. But it's still staggering when you're standing in front of it. Yeah. And because it's just literally, literally in the middle of the city. It's it, so impressive. <laughs> the stores around it all over the place. It's so really impressive. Cool. And, you know, we were drinking like. It was, it's fun to just order coffee. You get acclimated to the culture pretty quickly where you're like, okay, it's time to co- get coffee, so you go order coffee. It's time to get gelato, so you go order gelato. It's, it's fun how to, a- to acclimate to a different culture and a style of living and a style of eating as well. It's very different. And then after Florence, we went to Roma, Roma, which was beautiful and gorgeous. And we went to Trevi Fountain. We went to the Pantheon, Colosseum, all sorts of churches and stuff like that. And we had this really incredible... Um, VIP underground tour of the Colosseum where we got to just walk around all, basically the entire thing. We stood on the actual stage of it, which is one third of it has been recreated, which is really cool, as well as the underground dungeons where like the gladiators would come out of, where they would walk, where they would keep all sorts of the exotic animals and tigers and elephants and stuff like that. It was really awesome. And a, a lot of the architecture is still there, and you it, and they rebuilt portions of it with modern brick but what's cool is they, like for example, in the underground tunnels, um, some of the walls are built with modern bricks. So they actually built it so that you could tell a difference between the old brick and the modern brick. And so they had the modern bricks pointed outwards, like the corners of each brick was jagged out of the wall and not flush. So that you, th- that way you could tell this is the new stuff. And then the old stuff is still there as well. And I was, I had no idea the Italians invented red brick. And cement. And cement. Like, they started it. And I thought, I, I don't know why, but I thought a different country in Europe started brick. But it was just really fascinating to see the earliest forms of brick. And they're very thin bricks. They're, like, I'd say a third of the thickness of a normal, an average brick that you would see. And they're pretty long and wide. And to see just, like, this famous structure... Uh, also, the pulley system was just so fascinating. The technology that was developed by these ancient cultures was just really impressive. Uh, the pulley system, which they used to um, elevate the animals into the arena from down in the dungeon, uh, some of them were so strong that they could lift up three elephants at a time, and it's just wooden rope. In, oh, actually, in, in can chain. I correct you on that? Yeah, yeah. So the stage could hold three elephants the, at a time. The stage, okay. So the elevator could pull up one at one, a time. One at a time, but still, that's really impressive. Super and, impressive. For, <laughs> for wood. Made out of wood and wood rope. And rope. <laughs> it's, it was just unbelievable, and, and just some iron, I think, and that's it. And it was really fascinating to see like all the these small cages where they held the animals, and what they would do was uh, the underground caverns of the Coliseum were just completely pitch black. And so the aliens were the animals. <laughs> the animals. The aliens. Aliens versus gladiators. <laughs> That's the, the directed the, by Ridley Scott. The sequel of Gladiators. Yeah, yeah. The aliens versus gladiators. Yeah, yeah. And so they would keep the animals. Un, so it's just horrific what they did to them. They would keep the animals trapped in these cages for days in complete darkness and starve them. All they gave was all they gave them was water to survive. And so after several days of living in the pitch blackness without getting any food. Then it would be time to like let a tiger out onto the arena, and so the the slaves who worked there would antagonize the tiger with some spears, and then also lead it into the elevator pulley system, and then they would pulley up the tiger, and then as it, the tiger would be lifted up to the arena, once the arena was visible, that would be the first light it had seen in days, and so it would instantly jump out, and since since it was starving, and also infuriated by the antagonizing guards, 
it attacked the first thing it saw, which was gladiators. And so that's how well, they... Well, not usually... No, so that was for, like, executions. Uh-huh. Sometimes gladiators... Yeah, yeah, the tigers yeah, yeah. were used in battles. Sorry, I meant... Yeah, so, yeah whatever, so whoever's on the arena at the time. Public executions yeah. would happen every day in the morning. So the morning time, if you were a criminal, you are being prosecuted, you are being... Uh, uh, Killed, yeah. For, then they would do it in the in the, the capital punishment coliseum, yeah. which is crazy. They would yeah. either have tigers eat you and tear you apart, or they would. For women, there would be tigers, and then usually for men, they would tie men up to a pole and just have a bear oh tear them apart. Yeah. So it's like crazy. And so, apparently, the bears are bigger than bears we see nowadays. Yeah. So public executions basically took over the coliseum during the during the morning, and then afternoon there were some battles and stuff like that. But then the in the after, in later afternoon, early evening, that's when the real gladiator battles were. And we learned so much from our tour guide. She did an excellent job. She had so much knowledge about the history of the coliseum and how at first it was used as a gift. For the public as a form of entertainment and because the previous uh, emperor Nero was a selfish and cruel emperor who uh, built lavish palaces for himself and cared nothing for the people. So the next emperor realized if we give something back to the people, it will make them less likely to rebel against us. So that's why they built the Colosseum as a gift to the people. Although they used fake limestone. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, fake limestone. It wasn't real. And so that worked out for some time, but then the Colosseum became a way for creating um, misinformation and informing the masses and, and also political um, advertisements, fear. Fear. political fear. But also it was a way that people who were running for office, like running for a senator, they would they would purchase like 20 days at the Coliseum advertising their campaign. And so they would pay for the sporting events happening in the Coliseum for like a month. And also everyone who worked there would be advertising – this is sponsored by this person. Manscaped. Run- <laughs> sponsored by Manscaped. Sponsored by this person running for Senate. So be sure to vote for them because they they graciously paid for the Coliseum's um, events this month. So it was really inter- interesting to see how something like, like the Coliseum was a centralized form of basically media and advertising for the powerful. Yes, it's pretty cool and interesting. Yeah. And then after Rome. But we got some great food in Rome, excellent restaurants. Awesome gelato. And it's just great to, to walk around the city. And it's a modern city, but then you see the ancient remnants of the ancient city all over the place. It's just really fascinating to just like you're at like a metro station or uh, uh, it's part of the city. And then there's just like an ancient building across the street. It's really fascinating. And then after Rome, we went to Naples, which we were very excited about. And now Naples, I didn't realize, was the most chaotic and like fast paced city on the planet Earth, I've, it I've was, never been to anything. It like was it. Yeah. insane because, of course, there are scooters and stuff all over Italy, except for Venice, obviously, because there's no wheels or tires there. But like, there's when you're walking in these alleyways and these streets, there are scooters and, and cars driving past you a lot. It's a common thing, yeah. Uh, but in Naples, there's literally there are literally no street lights except for very main areas, kind of. I saw two. Hardly any crosswalks and in all the alleyways. They're super crowded with people as well as tons of scooters and cars and taxis just bombing down these alleyways. They do not stop for human beings at all. The You have to get out of the way. You have to just kind of just either get out of the way or just run past to cross a street, to cross an alley. It's bananas. I've never seen anything like it. It was kind of stressful at times. Yeah. It's a really beautiful city, but at times I was a little stressed out just getting around because there's you. if you're not paying attention, you can get hit by a car or a scooter. Yeah. And I thought every time we were in a taxi or Uber that they were going to murder somebody with their <laughs> car. It was absolutely bananas. I've never seen cab drivers like this in my life. And the city, though, is very interesting. It's very intriguing. It has a lot of cool history behind it. There's still a lot of great ancient um, structures and things all over the place. Uh, we got great pizza there. 
Um, but I do feel like the the vibe there was a little bit more negative um, and a little more angry in terms of the locals. <laughs> it was like Boston. Yeah, I felt like we got a lot of dirty looks compared to the other cities. And it was it was just pretty stressful at times walking through the crowded areas because there is a lot going on. Um, there, You're always on the lookout for a car coming behind you or, or some like a scooter nearly hitting you. And so it was quite chaotic. And our tour guide even called it a jungle. And we found out pretty quickly it was in fact a jungle, and we did get ripped off by a taxi. Yeah, it was, he was—he totally ripped us off. And yeah. she even at the and then when we hooked up with the tour guide, she's like, "Yeah, people in Naples will definitely try to rip you off whenever yeah. they can." Yeah, <laughs> which and is I, pretty funny. And it's called the pickpocketing capital of the world, but nobody even came close enough, or even I don't know if we were targets. Who yeah, knows? Yeah, we might. Um, we're pretty. We're pretty jacked. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm kidding. Say, I'm kidding. I'm, just, I'm like, I don't really walk around too many valuables besides yeah. my phone and my yeah. hands are my. We pocket. don't. We look like tourists, but we didn't like look like super touristy. But it's a cool city because it's it's similar to Mexico City, where it's just obsessed with death, but in a not a negative way, but in like a positive spiritual way, and like they really believe in like spirits and going into the afterlife and yeah. like there's this whole concept of purgatory in the culture of naples and communicating how, with the dead you're like yeah. people try to bring souls from purgatory to heaven to the afterlife and all sorts of cool like um superstitions that are involved with naples it's like the most superstitious city in italy probably like the cornicello the the red horn which is the the Good luck charm of Naples, plus skulls are very lucky in Naples, and just all sorts of cool things around the city that are good luck charms. It's, it's really fascinating in that yeah. respect. Yeah. And we're, from the DNA test, we found out that we're a quarter of our DNA is from Naples, so it was really cool to actually be where, like, our close ancestors are from. Yeah, yeah, we're Naples and uh, um, Tuscany is where our Italian blood comes from. And then Naples also is a popular jumping off point to go to the Amalfi Coast uh, because the trains easily run out of Naples and they go down there south. And so we took um, a train to Sorrento, which is technically not on the Amalfi Coast. It's on the northern coast right above Amalfi. It's on the, um, what's it called, Soltano Coast, Solanto Coast. Um, But it's very close to Amalfi Coast. Really beautiful beach town, famous for its growth of lemons throughout history. And so they're famous for limoncello, all sorts of lemon dishes, uh, lemon slush we had. It's just really, it was, and it was a great contrast from Naples, how slow, how quiet, how calm of a place it was, <laughs> but still great architecture, beautiful architecture. Again, very different from every other city, just like we found in Italy, every, every style of architecture, every kind of mineral um, used for building is different from city to city. So it was great to see lighter color buildings. Um, it fit the tone and the vibe of the city as well. Very interesting place. I really enjoyed it there. If you're ever in Naples and you're taking trains to Gorsell to Amalfi, oh just my, take yeah. a ferry instead. Take a ferry. Trust me, yeah. the train's like an hour and 45 minutes and very uncomfortable. Yeah. But the ferries are great and they're yeah. actually faster. So yeah. we took a ferry on the way back yeah. to Naples. It was a great ride on the ferry. And then after Naples, we did one last day in Rome. That's when we went to the Vatican and did all that and had a couple of final meals and some pizza and, and had a great time. And then after that, it was on our, our way to get home. Yeah, it was really it was stunning to see the Sistine Chapel. It was something I've always wanted to do and to just sit, stand in that building, in that room. And we sat, we were there for like almost 30 minutes. Just There's just so much to look at. You know, there's so many uh, different scenes that he painted all over the place. And it's just really impressive um, what he did and that just a, a human being could be capable of creating such a, a masterwork of such scale and scope is just Really, I mean, awe-inspiring. And- yeah, because he did the ceiling. I'm not sure if he did the walls. Mm-hmm. I got to double-check that, but I know we. I know he 100% did the ceiling. Yeah, in the corners yeah. like those. But 
really just impressive. Although I was surprised how loud it was in that room. They had to constantly tell people to mm, silence. 300 people in the room. Yeah. You know, people yeah. are going to talk. But then there, silence, silencio. <laughs> there were, I saw some people getting caught trying to take photos, which I thought was funny. Yeah, I yeah. mean, a lot of people were taking photos. I yeah. choose to res- like respect yeah. that. Yeah, space. I didn't I even take my phone out or anything. It. Yeah, so it's up to you if you want to do that. But or it's not. really impressive. Um, it, but also, it was funny on our journey to the Vatican. We walked because it was only going to be like a twenty-five minute walk, oh, and, and we're walking there, and then all of a sudden, torrential downpours, torrential, and we were getting soaked. And luckily. We found uh, a vendor selling um, umbrellas, so we bought two umbrellas for only five five euro each, which I thought was a great deal. Because I was like, oh, are we going to get ripped off? Are these guys going to charge us 20 euros per umbrella? But at five, I was like, that's a great deal. So luckily, we got our umbrellas just in time, because if not, we would have gotten absolutely drenched like from head to toe. We were, well, already, we were already drenched. Yeah, our feet drenched. and our shoes and pants were pretty soaked, but we weren't like completely covered in water yet, but we would have been... If we didn't get the umbrellas, oh, just our time. shoes and socks were gone. Yeah. It was like walking on wet sponges. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but like everyone was in that situation, unless you took like a taxi and Uber and got lucky. Yeah. But it was just un- it was funny though. Yeah, it, it was, was funny. Everyone was like, "Oh my god!" Because yeah. it was just like it started off as like a little drizzle, and we knew it was gonna yeah. be scattered rain. We're like, "It's no big deal." I didn't know it was gonna be intense rain. It was yeah. crazy downpours. Yeah, it was very thick drops of water, just like very heavy so, rain. So thick, super thick. Still beautiful. But it was it was funny. It was funny to look back on. Yeah, how soaked we got, <laughs> and then um and then we started our journey home in the morning which was a disaster so our flight to leave rome to go to <coughs> frankfurt me. germany for a connection flight to los angeles was going to depart rome at the roman airport fiumicino at i think it was like nine, 9 or 10 o'clock nine fifty. yeah and so we're like all right let's get on the train it takes a half an hour to get there we'll get the seven o'clock train get there at like 7 30 we'll have two two and a half hours before the plane even takes off like we're we're punctual we don't want to have any issues or anything and so we get to the airport and we're going to check in to get our boarding passes because uh we found out because of covid and stuff like that they a lot of these countries they don't do digital passes because they need to see verification of your test results so um we didn't realize we didn't know but that was i think everything else was a digital pass no problem it was flying into america was the issue well no we had yeah but we had boarding passes on all the flights yeah besides when we flew to Mm -hmm. europe yeah yeah um, so they, we actually had to get check in and get printed out boarding passes. And so we didn't realize that to fly back into America, you have to get a rapid test within the last 24, 48 hours, something like that. Flying to Europe is no problem. They didn't check a thing. Not going country checked. to country, not a problem. Not a problem at all. But coming back to America, we didn't know. We should have we should have looked this up. So it's our fault. But we didn't know you had to get a, a rapid test for proof to fly and to get your boarding pass. And so we're like, God damn it. We have like two hours to do this. They have a testing site on location at the airport, so we run over to it at Terminal 3, and the line is ridiculous and super slow, and you have to register online, and then you have to go to a human person at a little booth to check in to confirm your registration and to pay, and then you go get tested. However, the line took about 90 minutes just to get through to get to that person to get the test. They were understaffed. They had seven windows open for the registration check-in. And they were they only had four employees working in that and then one of them left, so they only had three people working, checking in supposedly supposed to be checking in hundreds of people because we were about forty deep when we got in line, and then after thirty minutes the line was over a hundred people. But it still took us ninety yeah, minutes to took get there. Us so, so long. Almost all these people, including us, missed that flight and it took forever and and then we found out the next day or that that night that there was a ton of strikes in Rome at airports for airport employees. Oh, is that why they were understaffed? And we actually even had another airline delay because it said something about, like, lack of ground crew. Uh So, like, there were a lot of strikes going on at the airport. Striking in Italy is very common. 
So that entire so it was just a really bad combination of events. We sh- again, timing. we should have we should have checked, but we were like, we're going. But to also, do it. we we would have made it if they were fully staffed. Yeah, yeah, we yeah. would have definitely made it because yeah. it took it took ninety minutes to get through the line, and then the test was a minute. Yeah, and the results were a minute, and I was like, did you even run the test? I couldn't believe the test was. Doesn't so it fast. take like 10, 15 minutes? To they get dropped the results? they dropped a chemical on the test, and I guess that if the color changes, it's a problem or something. But. It was such a fast test. I was like, is this really even like, fully legit? Yeah. So I think it was just like, hey, sure. Yeah. And then we missed the flight, obviously, to we, Frankfurt. Yeah, we missed that. And then to LAX. And then we're like, oh, God damn it. Now we have to quickly book a new flight. So we booked a new flight with this airline called WestJet. And they were going to- It's a Canadian airline. We are going to fly to Calgary, Canada. And then from Calgary, Canada, we are going to take a flight to LAX. So it was going to be 10 and a half hours to Calgary. And then about three hours from Calgary to LAX. We are like, all right, whatever. $750 a piece. We just got to get home. We got to get to America because we are st- kind of stuck in Italy right now. So we got them. And of course, after we get the tickets, uh, the flight gets delayed. And so it's delayed about an hour, hour and a half. But we have our boarding passes. We had our proof of test. And so... But the problem we was... Got, we got the boarding passes. Yeah. But, but the delayed flight caused the issue where the flight, the connecting flight in Calgary was a different plane, a smaller plane. And so that was going to take off by the time we landed in yeah. Calgary. Unfortunately, like the, the entire layover from Calgary to LAX, it was only an hour and a half. So just the plane being delayed by an hour, there was no way we were going to make that flight on time. And WestJet, I don't know if y'all Canadians like WestJet, but they made, <laughs> they made no intention of us, no effort of us getting onto the second plane because when we landed... We were like, okay, let's get to the next gate and get onto this plane. And, and they it, even said on the plane when we landed, like, if you have a connecting flight, go yeah. here and you can check into your flight. Yeah. So we were like, okay. So then we followed their instructions and we, we went to this area that was not a gate or a terminal. It was, down, it was the downstairs. And we get to their desk, the West Get Westget Jet Desk. And West desk, Jet Desk. West Get West, West Jet, Jet Desk. <laughs> That's a tongue twister. West Jet Desk. And we discovered they had just printed out. For all these people who missed the flight, the flight had already taken off the second flight. They did not hold it, even though we got there 20 minutes after the flight time's departure time. So if they had held the plane for 30 minutes, all of us would have made it. So they made no intention of us, effort of us getting onto that plane. And instead, they just printed out hotel vouchers and meal vouchers for the airport and the nearby hotel. And so they just were, before we even landed, they made the decision of, we're not going to hold this plane for them. We're just going to put them up in our hotel. And so I was really... I was like pissed off that like they didn't even make the effort to hold the plane just for a little bit to see if anyone could make it onto the connecting flight. So that pissed me off. Yeah, you, you know, it is what it is. I'm very grateful we have the opportunity to be able to fly across the world whenever yeah. we want. So it's it's a small thing to complain about for the glorious thing that we get to do if you can afford Flying a ticket air. to go to Europe or to any continent yeah. on the planet Earth that you want. It's great. We're so lucky and fortunate to live in this world at this time in the situations we're in. However, like you said, it was a little bit, a little annoying. It is what it is. I understand they don't want this, the other flight to get delayed. Who knows if that was delayed or other flights. We get these planes have to bounce around the entire world and country. It is what it is. But then they couldn't even get us a direct flight. So then we yeah. had to take a 540 flight in the morning with Alaskan Airlines, which Alaska was great. This is a nice airline. We, yeah. had, we had to fly from Calgary to Seattle and then another two-hour layover and then from Seattle to LAX finally – and we had like made some friends that were like we bonded through the same trauma of doing all this. And, Harry like, and Emma. There was like there's yeah, and then there's another family that went through the whole thing. So there's maybe ten or fifteen people, maybe more, who were in the same situation as us that were trying to fly to LAX that had to go through all the same situations or in the delayed and then jumping through the loop flights yeah. and stuff like that. Put us all up on the same shuttle in the same hotel. This yeah. like it was like a three star airport hotel, whatever. But then I mean, you couldn't even get us a direct flight. Yeah, I get it. Whatever. But we made it home finally. Forty I was hours. So grateful just to 
just to get from Calgary to uh, Seattle was such a relief. To just get into America. To get back into the yeah. United States was a huge relief. When I saw the, the the stripes of the flag on the wall, I was like, oh, thank finally, God. we're here, thank finally. Thank God. I, so I, I timed it in from when we left Rome for the Roman train station to when we landed in LAX. It was 40 hours. Goodness. 40 hours. And we did sleep a little because they gave us a hotel voucher, but we had to be up at 2.30 for the flight. Yeah, so so like, we got there We got like three hours of sleep, yeah. fortunately, but it was it was fine. Yeah. It was nice to take a shower and sleep, and we had food vouchers, so it was nice to give us food vouchers, and we just took we, Starbucks. We cleaned out Starbucks. We took Starbucks for all their work. Like, <laughs> Anthony grabbed, like, you want, we grabbed, like, two of everything at the <laughs> counter, and then, she, and then we're like, do these vouchers work here? She's like, yeah. And then she's ringing us up and like, oh, we also want coffee. Yeah, I was like, hold, she was like, okay, this could be 29. I was like, hold on. We we're have, getting sandwiches, yeah. too. <laughs> <laughs> and coffee. So we made it home. That's the moral of the story. But I'm still getting used to the the time change and the lack of sleep the last like uh, three days. And I can't sleep past like 4.30 right now. I So I'm good now. I went to bed yesterday at 4 p.m. Yeah, I didn't see you all night. I went to after Juno at, yeah. was like bothering me all night. It was super annoying. <laughs> after uh, we were ch- chatting with Allie and Matt, um, right after that, I went to sleep. And I slept... I woke up a couple times, but I slept till I was I slept till four thirty. I had to edit an episode, so I was like, yeah. I couldn't really. I took a three hour nap, which was glorious. Yeah. And then I woke up. I think I didn't set an alarm, but thank God I woke up at like nine. I'm like, oh crap, I gotta finish the episode. Yeah. <laughs> I think I got eleven hours of sleep. That's pretty I nice. feel wonderful. I, I'm still a little sick, but otherwise I feel refreshed and I have my fully. I have my energy fully back. I yeah. feel great. I feel like crap still. I'll yeah. get there. Yeah, I go to bed early tonight. I'm trying, but I. I, I, I it's because I keep taking these long naps at night because I'm so exhausted by like five, six yeah. o'clock yeah. because of the time change. But I'll get there. Yeah. But hopefully, but this, I'm, I'm this glad I got congestion goes I'm away. I'm glad though. I got all that sleep in, man. I was, I was out. You look great. I was. Oh, thanks, you look man. energetic. Thanks. Oof, I needed it. But man, what, what an adventure! Yeah, it was a great trip. So much fun. Yeah. Um, but I did. I missed doing the show, and I, I didn't. You know, 15 days is a long time. So I was, ha- I was happy to return home. And then when I. The night we got back and I laid down in my bed that night, I had never felt so comfortable in my life. <laughs> it was my I, I so I have a pretty comfortable bed, but then I got this um memory foam layer on top of it. It's like two inches of memory foam that I put on top of it to make it even more comfortable. And I've always really liked it. But then when I laid on it the other night, I was like, This is the most comfortable bed in the world. <laughs> <laughs> I was so happy and I it was the fastest I've ever fallen asleep in my life. Really? I swear I fell asleep almost immediately. It was I great. Was, I was falling asleep really well in some of the Airbnbs. The one in Rome, I was yeah. I passed out in twice. From exhaustion. Yeah. Because the beds were never very comfortable. The one, but, in, I don't, the one I had in Rome was actually comfortable. Okay, yeah. But I mean you, you get what you're not like expecting the most comfortable bed in the world from an Airbnb. They did they were all very nice. Even they were all nice. Some yeah. Some of them were some of them were I did sleep on a cat, a cot in Rome. I for, slept on a cot one time too. But I, I slept fine just because we walked so much. We were averaging ten miles a day of walking. So yeah, it's ridiculous. Our feet. I'm still giving. I'm not going to the gym. My feet need time off. My, my, my I did butt, a two mile run today. It was really tough. Yeah. My my I had blisters on my toes, but on the last day. Oh really? Yeah. Two of my toes had blisters on them. I was like, I need to take it easy for a yeah, few I, days. Yeah. I'm my I my entire feet are callous, so like I wasn't worried about blisters. You have much all. stronger feet than me. Yeah. yeah. There's a super strong feet. Yeah. But um, but I lo- I gained four pounds. Yeah, I gained four pounds too. I was up to when we got back. I weighed myself and I was one seventy. Yeah. So I, I was like, wow, I put on weight. Gotta cut, gotta cut that now. It's all the gelato, man. The, the gelato. gelato I'm so never good. gonna be able to eat ice cream the same way again. I think that's the thing I'll miss most. That's what I missed most last time. The pizza as well, but the yeah. gelato in Italy. There's nothing is, like there's it. There's nothing like. There's a place in LA that's close to it, but it's all the way in the valley. But there's really nothing that really matches it because it's, it's so good. 
It's, un- so, it's unbelievable. It's so delicious. I never got tired of it. And I was always going to the right it. places, obviously. Yeah. It's better than like the touristy spots. Yeah. But man, we had great gelato every day. We were gelato snobs. We went, it was, it was we went, it had to be the right kind of place. Yeah. You can tell. <laughs> either, either, either the lids, metal lids, or if it's exposed, it's very pale colors. Or if it's vibrant, uh, don't vibrate. I mean, it's still delicious, but yeah, like don't great. get the vibrant ones. And also the piled high, like mountain ones, you want to avoid those as well. But man, we, we did a great job of always going to high quality gelato places. And man, because the, the flavor. You just really can taste the flavor of whatever food it is. And man, it was just sensational. And that was our trip. That now, that wraps our weekly chat, volume eight. It's We're, good to be back. Yeah, it's good to be back. We are going to do a Top Gun episode for Thursday. We're going to go see it again today. Yeah. I uh, cannot wait. Unfortunately, it's out of IMAX because Jurassic World Dominion has taken over every IMAX screen in the country. We'll be doing Jurassic World Dominion next week. We just watched it. Uh, yesterday, yeah, we also have a a, underwhelming. Yeah, we, we're gonna do a review of it. Yeah, we'll do the whole trilogy and all sorts of other great episodes coming for you. Patreon episodes are coming very soon. We're yeah. gonna start filming more of those this week, so we're excited to get back into our old routine. And we're we we I miss t- chatting with everyone online. I miss chatting on the Discord and the DMs and, and the comments. So it's nice to be back. And I really did miss everyone I, yeah, so much. Same. Yeah, gotta get back. Into I missed our community. But um, thanks for tuning in, everybody. Hope yeah. you enjoyed us describing our Euro trip, and hope you're having a great time and have had a great June so far. Lots to come. Thanks for tuning in. Oh, sorry, we're also doing Stranger Things. Oh yeah, Stranger Things. Obi Wan. Obi Wan. Yeah, so we're gonna catch up on everything very soon. We're caught up on Stranger Things. Yeah. I have not watched Obi Wan yet, but we watched Stranger Things on the yeah. trains. So that was a six season. It's great so season. far. It's great really season. good. Yeah. Um. All right. Bye. Take care, everyone. Raiders of the Lost Podcast is a Mirror Image production. Sound mixing done by Jacob Kosler. Opening music by Chase Jackson.